notice in Judges 2 verse 7, it says the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. How many remembers that Joshua took over for Moses, right, after Moses died? And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works. Notice, these people had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Remember, bringing them out of bondage across the Red Sea and all of that, you know, the manna and the quail and everything. Water from the rock, all of that. That generation saw that. Then, verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, a servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. Well, that'd be good to live that long, wouldn't it? And uh, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance. And it, it tells you there where he was buried. And then verse 10, when all that generation, now notice, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, that just means they, that generation, Joshua and all of, of the people, you know, his generation ha- had died. Okay. When that generation had been gathered to their fathers, that, that's what that means, they died, they'd been buried. Notice this, and this is what I want to drill down on. It says, another generation arose after them who what? Who what? Who what? Who did not know the Lord. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Notice a generation arose that did not know the Lord. And after reading that verse, I, I think about the United States. And my question is, how did we get from the Cleavers and the Nelsons? How many remembers the Cleavers? Beaver and Ward and June and Wally and and Nelson's, Ricky Nelson. How, how, how did we get from the Cleavers here in the United States? How did we get from the Cleavers and the Nelsons to the Simpsons and the Kardashians? It's a good question to ask. Diana and I were just talking about it the other day. How, now listen here now. How did we get to the point... Where homosexuality is being accepted and glorified on primetime television. And I call attention to homosexuality. And, you know, we, we could mention sins, any sins. How many of you know there's other sins beside, beside homosexuality? Fornication, adultery. And there's non-sexual sins, you know. And so I don't want to be a pastor that just pounds down on one on one sin, but it's interesting. I, I call attention to homosexuality because it typically comes to the forefront and is accepted by a society right before it falls. You need to think about that. When I was growing up, homosexuality was not a was not glorified it was not applauded it was kept in the closet but now it's being applauded openly and on primetime television in 2014 2015 right in there homosexuality the sin of homosexuality was accepted by the boy scouts and disney how many's ever heard of disney walt disney 
the gold standard for purity and 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 where you, the family the family could go and and in 2014 they began incorporating homosexual activity. There's a new movie out by them, Beauty and the Beast, where one of the characters is apparently homosexual, and they have a cartoon out now, Star versus the Forces of Evil, Disney, and it has homosexual kissing in it. And Disney's themes parks, they have homosexual days. And when Disney goes there, I mean, that's something to think about. You say, why are you, are you picking on homosexuality? Aren't there other sins? Yes. But that sin comes to the forefront and is accepted by a society shortly before that society falls. How did the United States get where we're at right now? I think it's pretty simple. In 1962, 1963, I was born in 63, God was kicked out of the public school system. He was taken by the ear and thrown out. God's a gentleman, he left. And when they threw him out of the public school system, you need to realize this, the founding fathers of the United States were no doubt turning over in their graves. Because they wanted God and the Bible in the public school system. They wanted God and the Bible involved in everything we do. But God was kicked out. And now, a generation has arisen in the United States that by and large does not know God. One example of that, I've already listed some, but Sundays used to be, if you went to the store on Sunday, guess what? Huh? I remember growing up, I'm 53 years old, I remember growing up, you could you go to the store on Sunday... I mean, it was closed down. Everything was shut down. Why was it shut down? In honor of the Lord's Day. And nowadays, Sunday is no different than Saturday. Is it? A generation has arisen in the United States now, by and large, that does not know the Lord. And I'm titling this message, Do You Know God? Do you know God? Do you know the Lord? Let me make it clear that when a sinner repents and places their faith in Jesus Christ, they become a child of God, and they know God and God knows them. Now, did you get that? Did I make that clear? When a sinner repents and places their faith in Jesus Christ, they become a child of God and they know God and God knows them. So have I made that clear so there's no misunderstanding? Because you'll need to have that as an anchor point as we read on here. But let's look at some traits of a society that does not know God. Let's go to Romans, the first chapter. Let's look at some traits of a society that does not know God. 
While you're turning there, how many do remember back years ago on Sunday mornings, everything was deader than a doornail out there. Is that right? And, and the church houses were open and people were going to church. Is that right? Notice some traits of a society that does not know God. Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now watch this. Because although they knew God... Now, if you study into that a little bit, it's really saying this. They knew about God. How many of you know there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone? Let's use the president, Donald Trump. I know Donald Trump. But what does that really mean? Well, I know about him. I know a lot of things about him. But I've never met the man. I don't have an intimate relationship with him. I don't have any relationship with him other than he's the president of the United States. I know who he is. But you know what? He doesn't know who I am. Do you understand that when you say, well, I know I, 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 I know somebody, you, you have to qualify. What, what do you really mean by that? I know George Washington. What does that mean? Well, I know who he is. I, I, he's, he, who is he? He's the first president but i've never met him i don't have intimacy with him do you understand i know who he is he doesn't know who i am you you understand what i'm saying and so we have to be watchful with that as it pertains to god Let, let me use this my wife i know donald trump and i know my wife now do you see a difference in the knowing there is that very different I know Carol Groom here, but I don't know her like I know my wife. You, how many of you know there's levels of knowing somebody? You know, I know Joe there. I know Joe, right? But, but I know my wife better than I know Joe. I've spent more time with her. Do you understand that? I know Joe pretty well, but I know my wife better. I know Joe better than I know Donald Trump. Joe knows who I am. You see what I'm saying? And so the question here is... Do you know God? I know the Lord. He's touched my life. He's, he's, he, he's impacted me. He's changed me. But see, these people, they didn't know God that we're reading about here in verse 21. They knew about God. Listen to this. Traits of a, of a, of a society that doesn't know God. They knew about God is what that's really saying. And they did not glorify Him as God. Nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Now let's just uh, stop right there and let's say this. In the United States, and I I love the United States, I'm proud to be an American citizen, and I think it's the greatest nation on the earth, don't misunderstand me, but I'm concerned about our nation. And and, and, you know, thank God we have a president, I believe we're we're moving in in a good direction, better than we would have been with the alternative in the last election. 
But just because he's a president, there's how many of you know they're still killing babies in the wombs? Is that right? That hasn't changed yet, has it? I'm hoping it does. But in this nation, animal rights, I don't know if you know this, but animal rights outrank the rights of unborn human babies. Did you hear me? See, it's, it's, the, it's the minister's responsibility. There's a lot of other messages I would rather preach today than this. This is what the Lord assigned me to, to preach today. And it's, it's a minister's responsibility to stand in front of the congregations and remind people of these things. I think we should be good to animals and pets and all of that. But I think human babies, unborn human babies, should have more rights than, than, than an animal. Don't you? Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. It's talking about lesbianism. Likewise, also the men... Leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. That's, that's homosexuality. And remember, that always comes to the forefront and is generally accepted by a society before that society falls. And then in verse 32, who knowing, look at verse 32, who knowing... The righteous judgment of God that those who practice... Now, you want to underline that word practice. Because as we go on here, in the time that I have left here to share with you, how many of you know there's a difference between blundering into a sin and practicing the sin? Huh? You need to remember that. There's a difference... How many of you know there's a difference between just something happening and you having a you losing your temper? That's one thing. But if you're continually flying off the handle and and you're you're, you're known you know you're known as just a hothead and you blow up and you you scream and you yell and you have a lifestyle of that. Did you know the Bible? I need to say this: the Bible groups that in with the sexual sins. Flying off the handle and having temper rages and temper fits. And screaming and yelling at people. See, we, we camp a lot of times on, on, on homosexuality. But you need to realize there's other sins besides sexual sins. Is that right? And, and how many of you know there's a difference between you, you know, just getting angry and something happens. And you blunder into that fit of rage. There's a difference between that and living a lifestyle where you're always flying off the handle. You're always screaming and yelling at people. How many of you know there's a difference there? One, you blundered. You shouldn't have done it. The other is a lifestyle. A practicing of sin. Now, neither one is good, but can you see the difference between a blunder and a practice? Can you or can't you? Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of or one version says applaud those who practice them. Traits of a society that does not know God. 
And by the way, before we move on, the way the United States has become, if a person even reads what I just read from the Bible, they're deemed a hater. Did you realize that? Do you see how the devil has worked over many, many, many years to get it now that if a person, even a preacher in a pulpit, reads from the Bible those passages of Scripture? How many of you know I didn't make up what I just read? Did I read that from the Bible or not? But, but, but now, it, the, the way this thing has gotten, to even read that, there's even good, God-loving Christians in this nation now that would sit and listen to me read that and would not come back to this church because I read such a thing. You need to realize that. Friends, please don't be deceived. How many of you know we're not here to beat anybody up? We're not here to put anybody down. Jesus came to save sinners. We need to love and reach out to people, but we need to love people enough to tell them the truth. And I'm preaching this today so that you don't get deceived. Did you hear what I just said? I'm not a hater because I read the Bible. I didn't write the Bible. Do you understand? How many of you have ever recognized that besides me, that even to speak out on some of these things, you're deemed a homophobic hater? Now, do you know God? I just read some, group, some, some things about a society that doesn't know God. Let's go to Matthew 7 and let's look at, let's look at some groups of people that Jesus talk, talked about that they thought they knew God. Wouldn't that be horrible that you think you know God but you find out you really didn't? I tell you what, I'd rather find that out now than, when I, than the moment I die. How about you? I'm not preaching this to scare you or cause you to doubt anything. I'm just preaching this. How many of you know it's good to take inventory every once in a while and take a look at ourselves? Matthew 7, Jesus said, verse 21, Not everyone, now listen to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, not a few, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Or many wonderful works is I think the way the King James says it. Verse 23. And then Jesus said, I'll declare to them, I what? I what? Help me out. I what? I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, what's that next word? Practice lawlessness or practice sin. See, there's a difference between blundering and making a mistake and a lifestyle of something or practicing something. And notice these people. It's interesting. If you're taking notes, you need to, you need to, to note this. This group of people, they had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord. They emphasized their own works and they practiced sin. I'm going to say that again. They had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord. They emphasized their own works and they practiced sin. Now, if you go to Luke 13, verse 22, we'll look at Luke's account of this. And we get a little bit more on it. 
And in verse 22, Luke 13, 22, And Jesus went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying to Jerusalem. Then one of them said to the Lord, Are there few who are saved? And notice what Jesus said to them. He said, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. How many of you know Jesus is the gate? He's the way to the Father. We, we studied that last week. But he said, enter through the, strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Let me ask you this. If you go home today and you're in your house and somebody knocked on the door and you went to the door and, and, and you looked out or you opened the door and you recognized them. They were a friend of the family or somebody you knew from, you know, your your parent or your your child or whatever. What would you do? You would probably say, hi, how are you doing? Come on. But if you opened the door and there was a stranger standing there, somebody you did not know, are you going to say, hey, come on in? Probably not. And that's the example Jesus is using here. Verse 25 again. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank. Now watch this. We ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from or where are you from? Depart from me. All you what? Workers of iniquity and the 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 the. Implication there is a practice, practicing, a lifestyle. Now notice these people. Just like the group that we just read about, they had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord. We're not going to be saved just because we said Jesus is Lord. You need to understand that. It's a shallow confession. If that confession is shallow, you know what I mean by a shallow confession? Just something come out of your head. These people had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord. Notice they were around his presence. Didn't the Bible say that? Didn't Jesus say that? We ate and drank in your presence. So they had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord and they were around his presence. Today we could say it this way. They came to church. They heard the Bible being taught. They stayed for the socials. That's all good. But none of that in and of itself is going to save you, is it? And they also practiced sin. That's one consistent we see in all of it. They, there's no evidence of a changed life. How many of you know people that really know Jesus, there is a changed life? That doesn't mean you don't blunder once in a while, but it does mean that there's not an ongoing practice of sin. So the first group had a shallow confession of Jesus. They emphasized their own works. How many of you know it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that we're saved. Is that right? 
So they had a shallow confession of Jesus as Lord. They emphasized their own works. They practiced sin. This other group here had that same shallow confession. They were around the presence of the Lord and they too practiced, had a lifestyle of sin. Now, having said that, somebody might say to me, Pastor, do you mean if I commit a sin after I've become a Christian that I don't know God and God doesn't know me? And the answer to that is no. Again, it has to do not with a blunder. It has to do with what? Practicing. And and, and, and and the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 8, how many of you have ever sinned since you got saved? Anybody's ever missed it since they got saved? I mean, unfortunately, I have missed it since I've gotten saved. And the Bible says in 1 John 1 8, if we say, now this is written to Christians, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But it's not a question of, I'm not telling you that you have to sin. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that even after you get saved, we still have this flesh to deal with. And and I don't know about you, but I've missed it since since I've gotten saved. But you know, there's a difference between blundering and there's a difference between a lifestyle. Have I made that clear? And we're talking about how you can know if you know God... Do you know God? How do you know? Well, let me ask you this. When you sin, when you miss it, or even, now watch this, even if as a Christian you've begun to practice sin again like you used to do, there's something you need to look for. And it's found in Hebrews 12 verse 5. Let's go there. Very important. Do you know God? This is one way you can know if you know God. If after you're a Christian, you miss it. Whether it's a blunder, a one-time blunder, or you've gotten slipped back into your old, the old ways of the flesh. And you start acting like you did before you got saved. Watch this. Hebrews 12.5 And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son or my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. That means the correcting of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, that means corrects, and scourges every son whom he receives. That word scourge doesn't mean he takes you and beats you with a whip. But I tell you what, have you ever been corrected by somebody where you felt like you took a beating? (laughs) And the Lord can correct you that way sometimes. That you just feel like you got whipped. For whom the Lord loves, he what? Verse 6 again. For whom the Lord loves, he what? He and scourges every son or daughter whom he receives. Verse 6 looks negative, but it's very positive. It's a good thing when the Lord's chastening you. It's a good thing when he's correcting you. Verse 7, for if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons or daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom the father does not chasten? Now watch this, verse 8. But if you are without chastening, in other words, if God's never dealing with you, if he's never chastening you, If you are without chastening, of which all, say all, 
all have become partakers, then are you what? Illegitimate and not sons. I've missed it some since I've gotten saved. And you know what? Every time I've missed it, you can look up here now, see if you can relate with this. Right here. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit chastening me, correcting me. Have Have you ever experienced that? Has anybody ever experienced that? Yes or no? Uh, uh. If you can sin and continue to sin and it not bother you, whether it's a blunder or whether it's a practice, you need to check up on yourself. How does God chasten us? Well, He chastens us through His written word. He chastens us through that uh on the inside. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh. You know what I'm talking about? He'll chasten us through a preacher. Somebody's preaching the word of God. I was looking for a scripture for years and I, I never could could find it and I finally found it in Psalm 32 turn over there I finally found you know when I do this uh, I finally found what that is David experienced it in Psalm 32 3 New Living Translation I want you to look at this Psalm 32 3 New Living Translation how many of you know David knew the Lord didn't he yes or no And how many of you know he sinned? He missed it, didn't he? And now David didn't have a lifestyle of sin, but he sinned. But when he sinned, he really sinned. He really missed it. He really messed up. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he arranged for uh, Uriah to be murdered. That was Bathsheba's husband. Is that right? That's pretty bad sin, isn't it? And notice in Psalm 32, verse 3, New Living Translation... David said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. I've spent some days doing that. Day and night, verse 4, I've spent some restless nights over the years. Because I'd gotten in doing some things I shouldn't do. What were they, Pastor Terry? None of your business. I groaned all day long. Day and night. Now here's what I'm talking about. Your hand of discipline was what? Was what? Now read it. What does it say? Was what? Was not just on me, but it was what? And Zoe got it too. She said, thank God when that's there. That means the Lord loves you. That means he's dealing with you. But you know David went almost a year and he refused to confess his sin. 
And that hand was heavy on him for almost a year. He'd committed adultery. He had Uriah killed. He covered the whole thing up. And that hand was heavy on him. And it, it was so bad with David, if you study into it, look at it, he, he was fixing to die. He, he, had, he, he was just right close. He was, the, the judgment of God was going to fall on him. And God loved him so much that he sent Nathan the prophet. How many remembers that? Nathan went into him and gave him the parable about the little lamb. And David said, such a man should die. And Nathan looked at him and said, you're the man. It's interesting if you study into that. David said that man should die and he should pay a fourfold recompense. And if you study into it, David, there were four things in his life. God will often judge you right out of your own mouth. There were four things that happened in his family that were not good. But David, finally, when the Nathan the prophet came to him, he had a year of that heavy hand on him. And then finally, Nathan the prophet came and pointed out his sin, and David repented. And Nathan said immediately, sins are forgiven, you're not going to die. But yet his baby died. There are consequences for sin, you need to realize that. How many of you know David knew God? And because he knew God, God chastened him when he missed it. And his hand was heavy on David. And finally he sent Nathan the prophet. Do you know I've watched. I've been doing this a long time. God's had me up here many times over the last 23 years. And, and not calling someone out individually. I'd say 99.999% of the time. I didn't even know what was going on in somebody's life. But God had me up here and just teaching the word of God generally. And it, and, and it stepped on people's toes. And the people got mad at me and left. And I didn't even know what was going on in their life. And they ran away from the very thing that God had provided to help them. Isn't that something? How many of you know when God's correcting us and chastening chastening us, the Bible says it's not pleasant, but how many of you know it's better to have that than to be illegitimate, isn't it? When you miss it, is that hand of discipline there? Is it or isn't it? If you can continue in sin and it doesn't bother you. I'm not talking about just a little guilty conscience here. I'm talking about the heavy hand of, you know what, how many knows what I'm talking about? Now let me close up with just a few more of these. Just if you get anything out of this, you, some tests to see if we really know God. Go to John 10:27. Just a few more of these. Real quick, John ten twenty seven. Just just a few more tests to see if we really know God. Jesus said, "My sheep do what? Hear my voice." Now, I, I don't believe he's talking about an audible voice, but how has God given us the voice of the Lord Jesus? Right here, the Bible. The Bible. Are you hearing the Bible? God will speak to you. Not with an audible voice. He might speak to you in an audible voice one out of a ten billion times, maybe. How does he use it? How does he do it? How does he do it? 
Don't go, don't go looking around for some voice. He speaks to you. Say the Bible. He speaks to you through the Bible 99.999% of the time. Beyond that, he'll speak to you with what's known as that inner witness or still small voice right on the inside. And that still small voice, if it's from God, it'll never contradict the B-I-B-L-E. Let me ask you, are you hearing his voice? And are you what? Following him. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? They, who are you following? You need to. Ask yourself that question. And then in 1 John chapter 2, we get some of the best tests of all to see if we really know God. 1 John 2 verse 3. By this we know, are you in 1 John 2 verse 3? By this we know that we know him if we keep his what? If we keep his commandments. Verse 4. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a what? Liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, right away, if you're like me, you're going to be saying, what, 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 what commandments? Well, look at 1 John 3.23. It'll sum it up for you. And this is his commandment. 1 John 3.23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And what? Love one another as he gave us commandment. So what is his commandment? That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he gave us commandment. Did you, did you get that? He gave them that commandment right before he went to the cross. So with that in mind now, go back to where we just came from, 1 John 2, verse 3. Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his And what are his commandments? To believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. Verse 4, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments. What are his commandments? To believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and what? Love one another. So are you believing on the name of his son, Jesus Christ? Are you doing that? And are you loving one another as he gave commandments? If you're doing those things, then you know him. Look at 1 John 3, verse 6. I'm going to read these verses in the NIV. It'll be on the screen. 1 John 3, 6, NIV on the screen. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Have we talked about that yet today? No one who lives in him keeps on sinning or makes a practice of sin. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Do you see that practice of sin coming up again and again and again? No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin, you know, as a lifestyle, has either seen him or known him. Not talking about a blunder. We're talking about a lifestyle. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. And again, that's better rendered, will continue to practice sin. Now, 
How do you know if you're born of God? Look at 1 John 5.1. Go, you're right there. Look at 1 John 5.1. They'll throw that on the screen. Bonnie, put that up there in the Amplified. 1 John 5.1, if you would. Notice this. Everyone who believes, adheres to, trusts, and relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is a born-again child of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Well, if you do, the Bible says right there that you are a born-again child of God. Now then, with that in mind, let's go back to where we came from. Let's go back over there to 1 John 3, verse 9 in the NIV. 1 John 3, 9 in the NIV. Now notice, let's read it again. No one who is born of God will what? There won't be a lifestyle of it, will there? Why? Because God's seed remains in him. That's the Holy Ghost that came on the inside of you when you got born again. And he cannot go on sinning or practicing sin. Why? Because he is born of God. Do you see that? Because the Holy Ghost is in there and you miss it. The Holy Ghost, that that heavy hand of God's discipline is going to be there. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and the children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what's right is a child. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Nor is anyone who does not love, there's that love again, does not love his brother. This is sobering, isn't it? Look at 1 John 4, 7 in the New King James. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us, what? Now that word love there, when we're talking about love here, we're we're, we're talking about the God kind of love. The Greek word is agape, the God kind of love, unconditional love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and what? Knows God. He who does not love, talking about unconditional love, he who does not love does not know God for what? Sobering verses. Check up on your love walk. Do you know God? I could go on and on. I think I've said enough. If Peter... We're here. You know how he'd close this? He'd, 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 he'd say this, the Apostle Peter. He'd say, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus. That's what he'd say. Paul, if he were here, he'd close and he'd say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. How many of you would like to know Jesus more in the power of his resurrection? But I'm going to close with Jeremiah because I think it's one of the best verses that we could close with. Look at Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Jeremiah 9, 23. This is good. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. Stand with me if you would. 
Stand with me and just bow your heads before the Lord, if you would, please. Again, I didn't preach this message to put doubts in anybody's head. I didn't preach this to scare anybody. But I preached it to just let you realize the society in which we live, by and large, a generation has arisen that does not know God. What can we do about that? We can be sure that we know God for ourselves. And then let that light of God in us shine out to a dark world. So I want you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to judge yourself. Take a look at yourself. I'll take a look at myself. The very important time here in the service. The question is, do you know 